Hi, this is Riggs Eckleberry, CEO of Origin Clear, and welcome to the podcast Water is the New Gold, which is based on a briefing that I give every week in a webinar, and it really explores how water is changing disruptions. Go ahead, give a listen, and stay tuned. Okay, everyone, good evening. Hello. Okay, we're going to go ahead and start by muting everyone, and I'm going to... Um, this is open mic night. This is an experiment. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm really interested in your points of view. And um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the rules of the game are. First of all, this has to be polite. This is not um, a political session or a heckling session, anything like that. Uh, what I'm really interested in knowing is your genuine questions as investors or as potential partners, or what do you want to know about our business model? You know, when the heck are we going to get revenues? These are all legitimate questions. But if you start to get excited in a negative way, then I will have to drop the mic on you. And I hope you understand. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to um, have Devin unmute everyone. And I will take the first person who has a question. And then we're going to mute everyone else. And I'm going to go ahead and answer. So Devin. Do your thing. All right. So this evening, who's got a question? Bob, why don't you give me a question? Okay, Riggs. Uh, you've been talking about, you know, these announcements. I, I apologize, Bob. Devin muted you by accident. So go ahead and ask your question again, please. Oh my gosh, I don't remember it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've been talking about announcements that are coming and, and, and everything. So I'm wondering, do you have anything to announce tonight? Good news, I hope. Right. Well, uh, okay, so that's this a very important um thing about these briefings is that I really can't get into things that are material. Um non-public disclosures. Um, I don't want to stumble over myself and, and get a nice interview with the SEC. So um, what I can tell you is that we're looking at the, um, you know, as I said in my CEO update just a couple hours ago, uh, Modular Water came to us with um, a forecast. Uh, Dan Early came to us with a book of business. It's in the um, XX seven figures level. I can't get into it very specifically, but it is a book of named business. And he also told us when he would do it. It's kind of like Babe Ruth. He pointed at the stands and told us where the next home run was going to be. And I can tell you that he has ex executed 100% on what there was in, um, in uh, July, August, and September. So Q3 was happening. So um, he has delivered on that and uh, beautifully so. Um, we're still compiling the Q3 results and we have to be very careful that we do so accurately. So it's a process of, of going through the revenue recognition process and coming up with something that we can report. But um, he, Modular Water, Dan Early, has um, gone well beyond what we, we reported after the first month, which is that brewery deal. 
and so we continue. Now, the t I can tell you the type of deals that he does. Um, for example, um, real estate developments is a great example. We have a number of these in the in the pipeline, and these are great because real estate developments get great ROI from modular water, uh, from any kind of on-site water treatment because um, they can reuse the water to water the golf course, and they save a great deal of water, especially if they're based in Tucson, Arizona, right? So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so the um, so it, it pays for itself in places like Arizona or Florida very quickly because of the cost of water and the, and the uh, and the, all the water table issues and so forth. Um, and so he is in deal flow, and not only that, his named book of business is continuously expanding. Um, and really, our concern is how much can we keep him on the road or on the phone and uh, and and offload the engineering and so forth because. Um, he has been a one-man band, but we're trying to change that. Um, from what I can tell, based on his um, performance in Q3, especially in September, um, he his his Q4 forecast is very very credible, and it is a beautiful beautiful forecast. So um, I believe that we're going to have uh, some really good news for Q4 as well. So look look ahead to us getting some guidance before the November 15th uh, quarterly filing on um, what Dan has been doing for us. And then uh, we may be able to also give some guidance on how Q4 is shaping up um, ahead of that quarterly filing. So that's really great news. Um, also, you know, we have not been idle on the uh, M&A, uh, mergers and acquisitions front. And, um, Again, that's that's extremely sensitive at this point. Um, but let me just say it this way: that there's not we're not in vapor. There's no vapor going on. We have some very very um, positive developments, both in terms of financing uh, these acquisitions, um, potential financing, as well as potential deal sheets. And um, that's as much as I'm allowed to say now. Um, Water chain is the third piece of news, and uh, I think you heard that I I was involved in a an event at the WEFTEC, which is the largest water conference, and that was really really productive um, because people in water just aren't ready. Uh, they're like, "Huh, oh, what's crypto blockchain?" So um, I was able to to work on that and to um, answer a lot of questions that people had about why the heck would you do it. And we are, we've also, um, you know, we're, we're progressing with the funding of that uh, water chain project. And if anyone's interested in hearing about it, they can contact me directly for information. This is only something that is available to people. Basically, it's, it's not whatever we have. <laughs> I can't even say what it is. But um, the, the activity that we have proposed in terms of financing water chain is something that is available to credit investors, but only credit investors that we have existing relationships with. It's not an open solicitation. Um, I can tell you on the open solicitation that we have going, which is this um, really fascinating way to to sell, or to rather to um, do a secured uh, commitment on your investment so that you end up getting um, your principal back in Less, less than two years now, September 2020, and also you get 8% dividends along the way, um, and you get a 
substantial stock grant at the time. So let's say if you invest $100,000, you we commit to repaying you that $100,000 um, secured by our intellectual property, get you the 8%. And of course, Bob, you know this since you've invested in it. And then um, uh, you get a stock grant for half of that investment. Let's say you invest in 100,000, then you get a $50,000 stock grant as what's called an equity kicker. So it's very, very good because um, the currently relatively low stock price we have is an advantage when you're getting a grant. You want to get as many shares as you possibly can for that money. So that's been going really, really well. And we are um, actually close to completely filling it, which is really great news. We've had fantastic response on that. We have a few units left. And um, feel free to uh, contact Ken Berenger, 323-939-6645, extension 206, or Devin Angus, uh, same number, 323-939-6645, extension 116. So that's that's um, uh, as much as I can say right now without incurring the wrath of the regulators. But what I can tell you is I'm extremely happy with how we are executing. And I kind of took a risk by bringing on Modular Water and launching it. Um, but I'm extremely happy with the results, and I think you will be too. So I hope, that's as, <laughs> I hope I've at least satisfied you to some degree, Bob. All right, so uh, Devin, let's go ahead and unmute everyone and let's see who else has got a next question. Um, I have a question about um, if that technology would be good for machine shops, coolant oil, and because um, I know a lot of machine shops go through a ton of coolant, burning it up every day. And if you could clean it up, but um, I think you can get a lot of money. You're absolutely right. Uh, who's speaking? My name is Chris. Chris Van. Oh yes, you're in Middletown. Again? All right. Excellent. Well, hello, Middletown. Good. All right. Go ahead and mute up, Devin, and I'll be happy to answer that. All right. All right. So, Chris, the um, the we we actually um do really well with machine shops because the kind of um, effluent that they have is uh, mixed oil and water typically and has solvents and all kinds of crazy stuff in it. Um, and so it's a lot like what comes out of an oil field, except a lot lighter, um, does not have as much crude in it. Um, now our process, electric water separation, um, basically occupies the point in any kind of cleaner process. At the front end, you have things like um, uh, you know, gravity separators, um, and uh, typically called a gun barrel, for example, and uh, that gets rid of the heavy stuff. Typically on an oil field, you get you know 90, 99% of the crude out that way. Um, and then you, before the filters, you want to have something like electro-water separation, which without using chemicals or filters, uh, does uh, electrical um, simulation of the carbon molecules and also and to cause them to clump up, and that's my highly technical term, clump up, um, as well, it uh, quote unquote breaks the oil emulsion so that you get, um, you don't have just sort of stuff floating at the top that's just a sheen of oil. It breaks it all up and turns it into stuff that can actually be harvested, um, chunks of stuff that can be harvested uh, mechanically 
so basically for us, it's a two-part stage. One first part is electrocoagulation, and then the next next one is electroflotation. So the coagulation, as it implies, coagulates the material, and then the second stage uh, releases a cloud of electrically um, generated bubbles, which push the material to the top, and they can be harvested using a rake, a mechanical rake. From there, the water is typically clear and um, almost completely uh, clear, um, uh, I mean, um, free of suspended solids and oils. And at that point, it can go into the what's called a polishing stage, which is your 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 ultra filters, reverse osmosis, and diverse tools like that. Um, for example, there's like removing boron. Uh, let's take something like benzene, for example, which is a very, very light fraction. Um, we wouldn't be able to remove benzene because that is, um, as I say, very light. It doesn't doesn't clump up into anything. It's almost, it's a, it's essentially a solvent um, grade uh, hydrocarbon, and so that is typically taken out in that final stage. But the good news about what our process is is it doesn't clog things up. Now that is uh, one more thing I want to go on before I move on. But electrowater separation is electrocoagulation process, which is well known in the industry. The problem with electrocoagulation is that it uses electrodes and these electrodes are worn away by the electrical activity. Those of you who are boaters in this group will know that you stick those zinc anodes right down by the propeller and those zinc an anodes um, attract the electrical field, basically act as a, as a uh, attractor of the electrical and basically get worn away by the electrical field so that your prop doesn't get worn away. And um, and that causes the zinc anodes to melt away. And it's called a donating process. The the zinc is literally being donated to the salt to the salts in the salt water, um, where where there is effectively a, a electrical field because of the um, the, the way the salt water uh, statically has has electricity going on. So um, our process does not have a donating element. And that's huge because um, the donation of anodes means that when people are running electrocoagulation the classic way, they're constantly having to feed these big slabs of, of iron. Halliburton had this going for a while. They licensed the technology, which um, had this, this propensity for using up just big slabs of, of iron um, and it would literally melt away with the electrical current. Now, we've instead used um, a catalytic process, a lot like the platinum, platinum converter in your car. Platinum in your platinum converter does not go away. It's a catalyst, means it, it makes the change without itself being um, uh, taken away. The only way that it could be destroyed would be by friction, let's say abrasives. Um, and it's possible to have that in water, but that's why that first stage is very important to get things like sand out. So you want to get the abrasives out before they hit our process, and that way the anode will last for a long, long time. So that's, that's electro-water separation. Now, we have another side to our technology, which is called advanced oxidation and advanced oxidation plus. Now, that acts on water that is already clear and that um, is, uh, still has toxins. It might have the Roundup or... Um, endocrine materials or um, uh, various drugs. So all these things are hard to get out and um, our process gets them out.
with um, with advanced oxidation, we're able to get these these um, invisible elements out, or what's called miscible or, or mixed materials out. And AOX, the basic AOX is generates a lot of chlorine to do that job, <clears throat> and then AOX plus generates a lot of hydroxyl radical OH radical, which is a very very powerful antioxidant. Oh, sorry, oxidant. And they actually work in complement because chlorine and hydroxyl radical take out different contaminants. So you would literally run AOX and AOX plus together um, in many places. Now, you can also gang electrowater separation and AOX together. And then that way you get, after the that removing the heavies, which is the gun barrel, let's say, you then get electrowater separation. You could then, once the water is clear, run AOX and AOX plus to disinfect essentially. And then you could go your polishing stage and that would be the entirety of the process. Um, now in China, for example, we ship a complete antioxidation, like a, a product which does that, which is an uh, AOX. And it deals with um, ammonia problems, which respond to chlorine. If you were in the last, uh, last week's um, coverage, Actually, a week before last, where I interviewed Jean-Louis Kindler, he explained that ammonia is not what's called a hard contaminant, which might require something like hydroxyl radical. It is relatively easy if you're able to generate a lot of chlorine, which we are. And so we, would use, we, we have been selling at commercial scale in China, and China is, is doing a good job of generating revenue for itself and, and is itself profitable licensee, captive licensee of our own. And we also have a licensee in the uh, Permian Basin in Texas uh, that has been selling a what's called a chlorinator, and it essentially uses this technology with some additional stuff of their own that we have cross-licensed with them. And what it does is it disinfects the all well water uh, and kills the bacteria that is responsible for creating that rotten egg smell and making crude sour. And so that's very, very useful. And the reason why we were at commercial stage on that and receiving royalties is because electro water, I mean, um, advanced oxidation and this additional chunk that these guys have <clears throat> is very um, cost efficient. It costs a lot less than using chemicals for the same task. So that's, that's kind of an overview of technology. Um, and where we're going with it is constantly working to make it more efficient, more scalable and learning how it integrates better and better with other technologies. So that's that's the technology part. I hope I didn't bore you guys too much. Um, go ahead and unmute and let's have another question. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no problem. Next question. Uh, this is uh, Arthur Fitzgerald. Riggs. Hi, Joe. Arthur Fitzgerald. Hey. You, oh, you, can you hear me? I can certainly hear you. I'm looking for you on the panel here. See where you show up. What's your question? Uh, well, two questions. One, uh, I, don't, I hear you're close to closing the offering. Uh, my question is how many shares would be outstanding after the offering? Correct. Um, and thanks for that question. That That is a function of the stock price. So right now, um, 
we're issuing a lot of shares because the stock price. Again, I I don't comment as you know on stock prices, but it's obvious that it is relatively low, um, even though there's good you know good volume and so forth. It's lower than than any of us want, but it a represents a very good opportunity for investment uh, for getting that grant, but b it also means a lot of dilution. Now, um, we believe that between now and the closing of the round um, that will improve. That really can't we really can't say. Um, but uh, let's put it this way: there's there's twenty units of a hundred thousand dollars each. And those 20 investors and those units can be split, but let's say this just adds up to $2 million total. Uh, so it's 20 plus investors and the grants are half of that. So it's 50,000, but it's about, um, well, it's a million dollars, right? So what's a million dollars? And it's a, that's a lot of shares. So there's no question that this is a lot of shares. Um, Uh, what is it um, divided by? Yeah, that's that's a that's a lot of shares. That's a lot of shares. Um, and and really the reason for that is that um, the investors in this round, you guys are taking a risk, right? It is a risk, no question about it, and we recognize that. And so, for being you know this this brave. You deserve to be well compensated for it. Um, we've, we've, by proposing to repay you and securing it with RIP, we think that we've, we've reduced the risk dramatically. But you know, it, the stock price is not high, so that's why you get well compensated. And I strongly recommend that if you can get into this round, it will be very, very productive for you. I hope that was uh, about as much as I can say in this conversation, but that hopefully that's that's where that's at. Okay, um, I've got about eight minutes left, so I'd like to propose another. Uh, go ahead and unmute Devin, and let's uh, see who else got a question. Oops. It's almost time for it to start. Yeah, yeah. Oh, turn the TV on in there and just turn it up real loud. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Okay, I'm going to mute uh, Phoenix. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Phoenix is having a kitchen conversation. So. Okay, good. So, anybody else got a question for me? Well, um, now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen next week because, as you can tell, there was not a heck of a lot of um, specifics in this call, and that's partly why I wanted to take questions from you guys to be a bit more of a two-way conversation. Next week is super cool because we will have Dan Early. He just com uh, confirmed with me that he will be on the shot uh, on the conference uh, about sorry the CEO briefing of the 11th. And Dan Early is going to be interviewed by me about what type of installations are used, uh, are sold by Modular Water, kind of customers, the, the, the situations that it solves, 
why is it so important for the marketplace, et cetera. So I think it's going to be really, really powerful because it's my belief. Look, this is my, th my belief about modular water. Electro-water separation is a very important technology and it's a great licensing thing. And well, because it's licensing, it's not high capital. And it, it will, uh, I believe, get a tremendous amount of penetration in the marketplace over time. Modular water is a product line that we are selling as a complete turnkey product as a solution for the marketplace. So that's great for revenue. And it also means that we have an opportunity to dramatically increase the reach of Dan Early, because right now he's a one-man band, by getting channel partners, uh, also doing licensing. We already, we already received a uh, major reach for licensing from uh, International on the modular water. And so I think that we can get a tremendous amount out of it. And it is a patented technology for which we have a license. We are licensed globally for this technology. So... I think it's a real, it's going to be a real um, revenue driver for us. Uh, these are also relatively profitable systems. They come in my, my, my uh, back of the um, pad calculation on, on gross profits on modular water is about 50%. That's very, very high for water systems. And the reason that he gets pretty high margins, and we think we can do even better than that as we standardize the product line, is that it is a product line. It's not a custom job as so much is in the water industry. So, um, you know, I have high hopes for it. And also, I think it's going to help us um, as we make acquisitions, the acquired companies are going to be able to adopt modular water, of course, and become a distribution point. So I think that's, that's um, really, 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 really strategic for us. And even though it was not... Um, you know, doing $5 million a year or $10 million a year when we purchased it, nonetheless, um, well, we didn't purchase it, but we basically um, uh, recruited Dan Early with his book of business and his patents. Um, the ramp up has been very, very quick. And so I think it's a gamble that's paying off. And I really want to thank Bill Charneski for being so patient. So next week, um, I do promise you a whole lot more of the um details now also um i've got a question here that i'm going to cover us can we get more details on licensing international and modular water well uh it's very simple a tremendous amount of our leads that we've had over the years come in through the um pr visibility that we have we don't pay for advertising so how the heck do people in the nation know about us it's because we do a pretty good job of getting the word out and so um, we had a prospect coming who was at um, uh, uh, in South Africa, and it looks interesting to bring him in um, as a licensee. How would that work? Well, basically, there's a way for Robert Shaw. Just hold on. I, I see your note, and just stand by for one second. And I'm also being told that I'm breaking up. So if, if, I may not be able to go much further, but the licensing deal is um, basically is two parts with the, uh, the shell is the, the part that's, that's proprietary. 
and the shell is built a certain way by certain providers and there's a whole uh, bunch of trade secrets and patents and so that's that's basically what would be licensed and since we haven't done that yet it's just beginning that's exciting okay now um robert shaw greenspawn right uh where are we um that's robert shaw uh, I do have questions. Oh, I see. Okay, I can see why you kept on muting yourself. You were trying to talk. Just one second. I want to um, want to find you. There he is in Ukiah, California. Go ahead, Robert. <clears throat> Good evening, uh, Great Chief Eckleberry. Can you hear me? I'm not skilled with this app. I'm on an iPad Pro. You're doing a fine job, and thanks. For continuously trying to unmute while I was muting you. So thanks for your patience. Go ahead. Yeah, I've never used this before. Anyways, thanks so much for interacting with common shareholders and what you're saying sounds very encouraging. I've been with you as a common shareholder for some time now, accumulating shares. And um, I don't have the facts at my fingertips, how many shares I own and what my cost basis was, but I'm sure I'm several thousand dollars in red which was a lot for me because I'm not one of your $100,000 investors and I don't qualify for that. Uh, but I, I don't have all the facts, but I'm just, that's why I'm just asking. I looked at uh, Yahoo Finance and the percentage of insider ownership of common shares seems very, very low. Maybe it's not accurate information, but do you own common shares? and purchase them on the open market? Why aren't insiders owning more common shares so that you're in it with us? Will you ever pay a dividend to common shareholders? And of course, will I ever get my money back? Okay, to your last question, I sincerely hope so. Of course, I can't assure you that, but you know, I one thing about water companies, if you look, for example, at the, the history of a company now named Veolia, and Robert, I'm going to mute you now, but I will answer your questions. So Veolia in the 70s was a hot company. Um, but and if you in France, it was, in fact, the, uh, the oldest company in, in France. It was launched, I think, at the time of Louis XIV or something like that. Been around forever. The people who invested in the 70s um, have done very well for themselves because Veolia is now, uh, I think, by market cap in the U.S. alone, a $13 billion company, and it's much bigger in, in, the, um, in, the, in the Paris stock, stock Exchange. So this is a big, big company. And um, so when water companies start to get a roll on it and multiply on top of multiplication, you do win. Now, granted, the, the system is biased towards accredited investors, and that's a problem. Now, one of the one things I want to do to make it possible for everyday investors to get a better deal is to do a crowdfunding round in the future. And that's basically called Regulation A, and it allows us to raise money without requiring accredited investors. Now, the reason I haven't done it so far is because it requires a private subsidiary raise the money. And so, um, so for example, Waterchain, the crypto that we have is a subsidiary, and eventually it will do a, cr a crowdfunding, Regulation A, and you'd be able to participate. But we'd also like to do one for Origin Clear. For example, uh, just as an example, I'm not saying that we're planning this because it's just not, we, I'm just basically spitballing, but um, 
you might we might take modular water and decide okay we're going to take this through its own uh startup rounds and let people invest and of course origin clear shareholders would continue to have a percentage uh yes robert i have that i have that your the question i will be answering your question there um the um and actually you know this is a great way to use the chat as a way to get questions i think we'll do that next time use the chat function but and that i think requires having the app up and running but um the the uh doing these uh, regulation a offerings would allow our non-accredited investors to participate and so that is in the plan and we will get to that now um as to whether i have common shares um the what happened was um i had substantial shares i purchased um founding shares in the early days and it basically got crammed crammed out uh like many of you have been and um and so my percentage was reduced to basically zip. Um, what I have is a restricted share plan. And uh, this is really, really good um, from the point of view of the investors because I only get shares ever again if the company is A, on a national exchange, and B, is doing at least $15 million in revenues, trailing 12 months, and um, $500,000 in profits during 12 months. Um, now, I think the revenue and the profits will be relatively easy to do um, in a decent timeline. Uplisting on a national exchange, that's a huge challenge. So you know that um, I cannot really uh, profit from the startup the way I, I should unless I do that. Now, I have made certain financial um uh, commitments to the organization, which I can't get into specifically, but we've we've um, I have essentially uh, tied myself up pretty thoroughly financially with the organization, so that uh, I can tell you that I have a very deep financial interest um, in the financial success of this organization. So while I have not been able to purchase common shares on the open market, um, I have nevertheless gone very uh, deep into uh, certain um, covenants to to um, assure uh, certain financing activities. I hope I hope you understand that I'm having to be very very general about this, but I can tell you that I have a deep deep financial interest in the company. Now, I just want to talk about the question of, you know, are we going to become profitable? Are we going to succeed? Are we going to return money? And I can tell you from where I stand right now, I am personally certain that this company is going to make it based on the information I have in front of me. This, I was in the past, before the middle of this year, I was aspirational. I was like, we're going to make it, we're going to make it. After the mid-year, certain things happened. Hey, Calvin, welcome. Uh, you'll have to listen to the, uh, you'll have to listen to the um, recording, but nice to see you there. Um, anyway, so about the mid-year when we brought in modular water and certain other things started happening, um, I became 
personally quite um, confident that the company is going to not just succeed, but succeed in a big way. That's a personal opinion. It's not based on any guidance I'm giving you. Uh, I'm not making any representations. As you know, it's very, very you know, constrained what I can say. But I can tell you this, and that is that I have a tremendous amount of certainty personally about this. And I think that the team is executing in concrete ways that are no longer aspirational. And I'm going to have to leave it at that. Thank you very much, everyone, for an interesting conversation. Join me next week for the fantastic interview of Dan Early. And I promise you, it will be interesting and very specific. Have a nice evening, everyone, and catch you next week. Well, that's it for the podcast. Thank you for joining. And I do hope you stay subscribed. If you'd like to interact with me live, then join me each week at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern for the Zoom webinar. Sign up at originclear.com slash CEO. And thank you.